Hey everyone, welcome back to the lab. This is Ryan Williams. So happy you're here for episode 94. Wanted to announce that I am kicking off my coaching group again for the influencer economy to help people who hate their job and want to reinvent their career, who want to launch an entrepreneurial project to create their own resume and find the job they love. We'll be following the influencer economy launch share thrive framework. Love to collaborate with you. Find me, Ryan, at influencereconomy.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Rhino Lab. This is Ryan Williams, your host. want to remind everyone that we've actually renamed the show. It's still stories from the influencer economy in theory, but the Rhino Lab by name. Influencereconomy.com still has all the archives. Hey, everyone. So excited you're here for Jenny Blake, my guest for episode 96. She is the author of the recent best-selling book, Pivot. It came out last week. It is about the only move that matters is your next one for anyone looking to make a career change. Very much aligned with the influencer economy steps and principles. Jenny is a business strategist and career coach. She was, what's interesting, because first of all, I love that you use the term pivoty people. <laughs> so if you're listening, hashtag pivoty people and uh, <laughs> tell us who your pivoty friends are, because I agree that some, uh, there's a certain curiosity that you need now in the modern digital age with launching an idea or even a passion project or an online business, that if you don't have that curiosity to stay adaptive, then unfortunately what you're doing could be unfulfilling or could go away. And these are survival skills. So do you feel like the education system now for professionals that people are getting that training to understand the they need to pivot or need to consider that this isn't their last job? I, I separate the education. So I've, I loved my college experience. I'm not someone who rags on college or doesn't, nor do I say, don't work for the man, quit and start your own business or not. I, I really advice. take no That's stance. Yeah. Like I'm agnostic in terms of what you want to do for your formal education, what you want to do for how you earn a living. What I will say is that I wrote this book for people who I call high net growth, that we, we know the term high net worth. And these are individuals who've accumulated a lot of financial resources in their lifetime. But for the people who this message is going to resonate in the most pivoty, if you will, are high net growth that they, no matter what their companies or their colleges have provided in terms of education, these are people who love to learn. And just like you mentioned curiosity, they want to feel that they're learning and growing. And if they're not growing, they are very quickly going to get bored and look to pivot again. And ultimately, once their needs for growth are being met, they turn toward meaning and impact. And that for I call them impactors for short, that for impactors, uh, we will get restless more easily. And I don't advocate reckless job hopping, but I also think that it's really silly the way that society sort of shames and blames millennials for trying to find meaningful work because everything else is getting automated and outsourced and globalized. So in my opinion, they're smart. Anyone who is looking for meaningful work that makes an impact is making the intelligent, rational choice. It's not about entitlement. I totally agree. And I recently sat on an airplane next to someone who has a millennial, she's a 40 year old woman and she works in healthcare and she was complaining about her millennial uh, cousin who was in college and couldn't settle on anything and didn't want to do the hard work. She, you know, she had this perception that she was looking for this job with meaning and was cynical about it. And I told her that that's the future actually 
because wealth is very important and obviously it's a big driver for people in our society to become rich, but that's not the only thing. And so when you say, you know, impact, what do you mean by that? And how does it tie into making money? That impact is about looking outside of ourselves and saying, how can I be most helpful? Whether that's to your immediate family unit or your broader community or the global society, it's asking, how can I be most helpful? And, and I think, you know, not everybody has that mission, but for anyone who is really agile in this economy and has that high net growth mindset, that it's... And what do you, can you just explain just for, before diving in is like, sure. what's your definition of agile? To me, agile is nimble. It's someone who can change when they want to change. They have lots of options. If they get pivoted, whether by market circumstances, they lose a client, they lose their job, they they know how to get back on their feet. They're resourceful. Okay. So agile to me means no matter what's going on in your life, you have the resources or the skill or the will to tackle it. Okay. Okay. Uh, Go back in. Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> no, that's okay. It's great. great I want to make it as question. broad as possible for people. Yeah, listening. I'm glad you asked. No one has asked me that. And it's a word that also gets thrown around a lot in Silicon Valley. So yeah, basically, I think that's really, you know, we put so much pressure on ourselves to have some defining mission statement or life purpose statement. And I advocate project-based purpose. I don't say that you have to know what your impact on the planet is going to be and define it once and stick with it for the next 30 years. But whatever projects you're taking on or jobs for the next, let's say for the next year or two or a few years, define your project-based purpose. What are you hoping to learn for yourself? I have a framework in the book called Give, Receive, Achieve. What do you want to give? How do you want to impact others? What do you want to receive in return? What's going to make this rewarding and fulfilling for you? And what do you want to achieve in this role or with this project? And if you can break that down, then you're hitting on all sides with whatever current opportunity you're focused on. Do you find there's a lot of people that uh, are professionals now that were motivated by one factor early in their career, whether it was making money or power or a certain lifestyle that now they realize they come to a crossroads later and they find that they don't have the same values that they used to? Definitely. I think so many, at least I can speak for myself, I was just following the path that I thought I was supposed to get a great job. I was working at Google, got promoted to be a manager when I was 24. I bought a condo. I what bought a you car. In, All like that was Pal- missing. Palo Alto? Or where in Mountain View. Mountain View. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I'm born and raised in San Francisco and then Palo Alto for middle school and high school. So I worked at a startup out of UCLA that was in Palo Alto, and then it was, you know, my own pivot was I was managing our Google AdWords accounts as part of my role at the startup, and then pivoted to Google doing AdWords product training to get the job there. And they hired me because I already had knowledge of their product. But oh, good. So I kind so of like already, tried to climb you, you that ladder. You created your own job in a way because you had the skill set that you. No, it was it was a job posting. Oh, That's at that time I created my own job later in the company when I moved, but that one was a posting and they had never hired someone externally for that training team. But because I had experience as a customer and knew the product and I was also managing our websites at the startup and they, it wasn't even in the job description, but it turns out they needed a global training team website. So when they, I, in an offhand comment showed that I knew HTML and then they, that was part of what got me the job. So it's interesting how our skills, even ones we don't think are going to be Absolutely. helpful, come back around. And then, so 
I love that. I think that I'm a firm believer that part of the future of work is creating your own projects or products that you may just do for the sake of being a curious person, but that ultimately you learn a new skill. Maybe you meet a new friend through the project. Perhaps you create your own job, but just doing things for the sake of doing them and sometimes without even a defined outcome or goal can be rewarding to your career. And in your book, you mentioned that, you know, pivoting is that, you know, you have a four-step process and the one that I was most interested in is the piloting phase. But, so we can get to that in a moment because that's a later stage. Um, but would you be able to walk us through the initial uh, framework of the pivot model? Sure. When I was, so just to finish my other story, just, oh, did I interrupt? So you? I don't I'm leave. Sorry. No, yeah, that's okay. I just don't <laughs> want to leave everyone hanging with where oh, we I left off. We it informs. It thought, oh, so go ahead. No, please. no worries. Um, I, I just, just say that I was climbing the society ladder. I was going for everything that I thought I was supposed to go for and insert all that was missing was like insert husband and then a dog and then some kids. And when I was, my first book was coming out, it was 2007, uh, sorry, 2011. I took a leave of absence to launch the book and I, I just stopped and, and, finally asked myself, what am I doing? I don't want to become, I had worked under Sheryl Sandberg, not directly, but within her organization. And when I looked ahead to leaders like her, I didn't want to manage hundreds of people. That wasn't actually what felt like my strengths. And I, why do I need this house and this car and these things? Why am I collecting all, why am I checking all these boxes just because I feel like I should? And so your original question was like, do people sometimes aim for certain values and then shift? And I think for so many, we go down a path of shoulds and then one day wake up or our body lets us know where we get rocked somehow. And we come to realize what we thought was important or what we thought was working is no longer working. And that, and that's where the bigger pivots are a real chance to redefine. And so for me, I thought leaving Google was the hard thing, but then two years in now I was self-employed. My first book was called life after college. I knew I didn't want to talk about that for the next 10 years, but I didn't know what was next. And I'd become known as the girl who left things, the girl who left college, the girl who left Google. And this time college, I went back to finish while I was at the startup, Um, but my book was called Life After College, so it was just kind of, again, with the life after something, but it wasn't. It just kind of feels like those are negative connotations, right? That people would be saying that you left things. Like, that's not necessarily a positive, but then it is a positive. Leaving Google seemed to inspire people. I think they felt like, oh, if Jenny can leave Google a dream job there, I could probably leave my thing that I don't like. But it wasn't that motivating for me as far as what was next. It didn't help inform what I did want to create thought leadership around and kind of how could I be most helpful. It was not helping me answer those questions. And so the pivot method came to me as I was thinking about pivoting and renaming it from a quarter life or midlife crisis into something more neutral like pivot, the basketball player analogy. So when a basketball player stops dribbling, they have one foot firmly planted and then their pivot foot can scan for passing options. My biggest mistake and what almost had me fold my business in 2013 was I was not grounded in anything. I was focused so much on what wasn't working and what I didn't know that it wasn't propelling the conversation forward. So the crux of the pivot method is number one, plant in your strengths, what's already working and where you want to end up a year from now, what success looks like. These are your known variables that bracket the pivot. 
Then the next stage, scan. People, skills, and projects that are based on your existing strengths and your one-year vision. And then pilot, which you mentioned, is all about running small experiments to take the pressure off and test the waters of a new direction. And then ultimately, the fourth stage is launch, which you can plant scan pilot over and over as a continuous cycle, as a practice. I mean, this is really, it can be a, a practice in everything that we do, but sometimes there's a launch required, like changing teams at work, leaving a job, starting a business, launching a new product or service. Yeah, well, I actually, I love that framework. And th- one of the reasons why the pilot really helped me in to synthesize some of the things I've done in my career is that now I used to do stand-up comedy for a living, a very meager living at that. And uh, I then was a film production assistant like out of college. And that's when I moved to LA. Eventually worked on shows like The Wire. And I those skills didn't really suit me when I worked at startups and actually worked for a company, machinima.com. We did a lot of work with YouTube after they were acquired by Google. And now that I'm you know, an author and I'm a podcaster and teaching more, I feel like those skills of stand-up and filmmaking are now part of my core suite. And I feel like they've fueled me in a lot of ways where we live in this business world where all these disparate skill sets that you maybe didn't think overlapped suddenly can fuel you to start a new project or create a new idea and launch yourself out there. Yes, definitely. And it's so fun how you described your background and skills that don't seem they're going to be relevant, but then later they come back around and how it's so relevant for podcasting, thinking on your feet, interacting with people, speaking to an audience. It's really fun. Yeah. People often like, it's like the pivots in your career actually can aggregate into like your own unique offering. Because that's what oh, makes absolutely. you uniquely suited for the jobs that you will ultimately get or create for yourself. Yes, definitely. And exactly. And that that's what makes, that is what helps people really stand out and be very agile. It's not just having a great reputation, but if you're known as, you know, I love Srina Visrao just came out with a book, Unmistakable. She goes by Srini, but... Yeah, that was that, last uh, week's episode was talking about. Yeah, to exactly. So what's the art that's so unmistakably you? What is your unique set of skills and talents that is so unique to you, the combination of how they come together that you, people can't help but know that that's you? And I love that concept. And so for when you're talking about people actually launching, like, so... There's obviously different phases of pivoting. And like you mentioned, sometimes it's getting maybe redefining your role at work. Other times it's maybe finding a new job or starting your own business. Like how does someone find themselves on the spectrum as to where they can assess themselves with those types of options out there? Yeah, one one is to know, know, I I shared in the book a diagram I call the riskometer that has a stagnation zone, a comfort zone, a stretch zone, and a panic zone. And if you're in the stagnation zone, it usually feels like you're bored, works fine, or you're actively having more physical issues than normal. And then comfort zone is also, it's okay, but where we really thrive is in our stretch zone. So, and then if you try and, again, if you try and kind of pivot too sharply, you get into your panic zone. So for someone to self-assess, and by the way, I have a pivotability self-assessment on my website that you can find out your pivot profile, but that uh, you can kind of self-assess. You can see how pivoty you are. Yes, exactly. Your pivotability, your um, pivot IQ. And uh, I love all these derivatives so, of pivot. I'm going to start using thank them. Thank you. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, <laughs> I'm having a blast with them. So uh, yeah, if you 
if you are in your panic zone, which means you're kind of paralyzed by fear and not taking action, the key there is to break down next steps into smaller experiments. How can you pilot something with 10% of your time rather than try and go all in or wait until you have the perfect solution? And oftentimes people glamorize, oh, I'm going to quit my day job and start this new thing in my garage. It's going to change the world, whatever that is. Um, but realistically, it's better, to, you're saying, to spend less of your time because it's just more efficient to pilot it out to see if what you want to create is realistic. Is that, is that how you're, you're yeah, analyzing Yeah, for it? anyone who's at all risk adver- who's at all risk averse, that piloting helps reduce risk because it gives us new information. So it's it's... Yeah, exactly. It's a way to more methodically work our way toward a goal rather than trying to go all in with very little information. And a good pilot will test the three E's. One, do I enjoy this new direction? Two, can I become an expert at it? And three, is there room to expand in the market? So by piloting, you're ideally answering these questions. And if your pilots are not taking off and getting traction, then you likely haven't paid enough attention to the first two stages, the most, most relevantly the, the plant stage. So people, when they're piloting and they're not anchored in their existing strengths and skills and experiences, and they don't have a clear vision of what success looks like, that's when the pivot tends to become kind of aimless and they're scanning, but they're overwhelmed and there's so much out there and they don't know what to do. And they're kind of wandering. That's usually a sign that someone hasn't spent enough time with the plant stage. So based on your own background, then you left Google and what many would consider a dream job. Did you consider your piloting, writing your, your first book that you published and taking a leave of absence to help market that? The pilot for me there was even having a blog. So I, actually, I set up the Life After College website in 2005. In 2007, I turned it into a blog. And then in 2008, I started writing a book. In 2010, I found a publisher. So by the time that I was launching in 2011... I had been piloting and I had building a, been building a platform. So much like what you talk about, Ryan, the platform is what gave me longer pivot runway. That I did have six months of savings, but because I had a book coming out and an audience I had already been building for years, I was able to start earning a living relatively quickly. It wasn't like I was trying to pilot from scratch or build from zero from scratch. That, I love that. That's one of the founding principles of the influencer economy is building a community ahead of your product launch. And to yes. creating smaller projects, like and mastering that as, those as much as you can. And for me, it was the podcast, which then became the book, which then became public speaking, and now I'm launching a course. And it's so hard to just launch something from scratch. But you put in the hard work. Like back in '05, blogging was a new thing. It was a fad. Potentially, you know, there was no way to make money off of it. But you you stuck at it and you believed it. And now it's propelled you to larger opportunities when it was just something that you were doing with what 10% of your time. Yeah, it was nights and weekends and, and blogging also wasn't starting from scratch for me either. Cause I had done journalism in college and I was editor in chief of my high school paper. I started a family newspaper when I was 10. Was that the Palo Alto so, high school times? Was that your newspaper? Uh, I went to the other high school. There was there is Palo Alto High School, but I went to Gunn High School. Okay. My pet family paper was called the Monthly Dig Up, which is reflected on my current Jenny Blake site. I have a monthly coffee talk roundup. But I was always interested in technology and communicating with people and learning desktop publishing. And I don't even really consider myself a writer because I have to kind of really like make myself put my butt in the chair to write. But I love building things and I love 
software and tools and sharing information and being helpful. And so all those skills and interests from when I was growing up are conveyed in what I'm doing now. And that's part of the message I would love for all your listeners to take in, which is that you're not starting from scratch and you have all the ingredients you need already. People often think, and we'll close this up in a minute, is that there's this, they're they're too late or they, they should have, could have, would have started this two years ago. And how do you help get people out of that mindset? Because I think a lot of people have regret. Like you started early, but I'm sure in your mind, you thought maybe you could have started something sooner, but you had a day job. And I feel like there's a song and dance that we all do with making money and thriving and finding meaning. But I, I just yesterday I met with someone who says they should have started blogging three years ago and now it's too late. And how do people like, because your framework is creating an opportunity for people to to test out these ideas. Like, what do you say in giving I advice mean, to people listening? I would, I would say it also requires, I mean, it doesn't require, but the option here is some level of uh, spiritual perspective here too, which is everything has unfolded perfectly. And I can see how starting at that time might've been too early, or I could see how these other things I was doing are also going to be helpful. So I don't know. I'm not someone who lives with a lot of regrets. I can understand if people have them or I should have, would have, could have. Seth, Mar- uh, Seth Marvin is someone featured in the book. Seth Godin said something like, yeah, if you're launching a book, the, the best time to start was three years ago with right. barring that start today. So I think it's just reconciling that everything that I've done is perfect and just fine and is building. I mean, there's so many articles now on famous late bloomers. And I have a friend, Jenna, who is starting a whole blog and coaching practice for late bloomers, which is amazing. That's a great idea. And yeah, Jenna Valovic. And um, she currently works at Google. So she, she also is feeling like, well, what's what's next for me? And and yeah, maybe I could have started this stuff five years ago, but that she actually writes about the beauty of being a late bloomer and what's and what's awesome about that. So I think the best we can do is really stay present and try to understand that regrets about the past or worry about the future, that's what creates stress in our bodies and our minds and ultimately is not helpful. So instead to refocus our attention and say, where I am now is great. And if I'm the main character in a movie, you know, what am I meant to do next? And what is everybody rooting for? And to find that courage through small steps. You are an incredibly optimistic person. This may be the most optimistic podcast I've ever had, where people listening hopefully can see that it's, there's something out there and we, we're all scratching on the, on the surface of something big. It's all about uncovering it and realizing that there's opportunities to pivot. And so... Uh, this is fantastic. The book is very actionable, which I really appreciate. And it's, it's made to be, and correct me if I'm wrong, but not just something to read, but to take lessons and actions from immediately from each chapter and from each section, which I really appreciate. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. And big thanks to everybody for listening. I really appreciate the kind words and yeah, I mean it when I say it, it's all, it's all good. And, uh, and thanks again for having me on. Yeah, definitely. So thank you so much. Hey, y'all. So glad you came by the lab this week. This is Ryan Williams of the Rhino Lab. We had Jenny Blake. Her new book, Pivot, is highly recommended for anyone looking to find inspiration to pivot your career. want to express with sincere gratitude. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. 
as I mentioned at the opening, I am relaunching my coaching program. I'm calling it Influencer School. So if you're interested in checking it out, email me, Ryan, at InfluencerEconomy.com. It's for anyone that wants to launch an idea, collaborate with influencers, and build a community, and finally helping you thrive in the digital age. It's based on my three-step launch framework that I've cultivated from the Influencer Economy podcast and book and tour and ultimately the school. So I've had a chance to build my own business program by self-publishing my influencer podcast, The Influencer Economy, uh, which is now called The Rhino Lab. Secondly, I launched my own book. I self-published it, and I got influencer endorsements from the likes of Near Ale, Willie Geist at the Today Show, Adam Grant, uh, one of my favorite authors of Give and Take, and Jay Sammet, who wrote Disrupt You. These are all former podcast guests. And thirdly, I booked my own tour this summer. I went across the country from North Carolina to Washington, D.C., New York to San Francisco to L.A., where I'm I'm based. And I had a lot of learnings and opportunities to talk with people about the influencer economy. And these steps work. It's launching, collaborating, and thriving. I've seen firsthand with consulting with brands and companies, as well as individuals with ideas. So if you want to reinvent your career, looking for inspiration to quit your job, to do something you love. If you have an idea, you're afraid to launch it, or if you want to build a platform and build a community ahead of your product launch, then this program for coaching is for you. Ryan at InfluencerEconomy.com. I'm really passionate about the framework. I've worked really hard on developing, launching, collaborating, and thriving. I would love to teach you along the way. So look forward to hearing from you all. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Julia is three, almost three, and uh, Libby is four months. My loves of my life give this episode out to my daughters. See you next time. See you soon. <laughs>